Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions and provides unbiased answers. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol. I just really like it as a long term play. I uh, appreciate the show, appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, September 1st, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And yeah, we're in September. It is my birthday month here coming up in about a week and a half. And a Labor Day holiday is just around the corner. So just a reminder, markets are closed on Monday and we will have a best of caller question podcast for you. But on today's podcast, we will operate as always with our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So I'm here to give you unbiased guidance on the market, on particular positions, strategies, sectors, etc. And I'm here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. And of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And if you do, you get to shape the show to your liking. And that means you can interact with us during our live stream program right now, four to five Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave a message on our anytime Invest Talk Voice Bank. And as always, that never changes. 888 chart Let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Saul from California. Just have a quick question about Crocs. Ticker symbol CROX. Bought it a couple months ago and I've had some pretty good returns. Just thinking if it's a time to sell or if it's something that is worth holding long term. Uh, really love the show and uh, can't wait to hear. Thank you. Crocs. I think most people know what Crocs are. Those are the very interesting looking shoes that uh, some people uh, wear and uh, they're, they're definitely fashionable uh, recently and they were fashionable some years back. When was that? Let's go to a monthly chart. I remember there was a, a big run, yeah, 2006, seven time frame. Uh, and then it kind of cratered uh, with, uh, or if it fell out of bed in 2007, well before the 08 crash and hit, went from a high of $76 and change then to a low of, geez, a dollar <laughs> and almost went bankrupt. Uh, now we're at $143 per share. Gigantic run since the March lows. And that, those March lows were down around single digits, nine bucks. Now we're at 138 or 43, excuse me. Now, technically, it's definitely overbought and it is weakening. And if you look at the the business, it's definitely uh, doing well. Revenue year over year is up 93%. Earnings up 121%. Supposed to make $6.69 this year and $7.63 next year. That's going from losing 36 cents in 2016. So huge turnaround in the business. 
And the question is, are we going to have an 07 again where uh, this falls out of bed and maybe uh, it becomes less fashionable to wear Crocs? Uh, I don't think they – for some people might like them, but um, you know, it's more, I think, of a, a trend. Uh, and right now the trend is in their favor. But with fashion, it's very fickle. So to me, this is not a long-term play based on the history of this business and the current multiples that it's trading at. Enterprise value to EBITDA is about 18 times. Enterprise value to revenue is about five times, which in and of itself is not too uh, too high. But if you're looking about looking at the industry and the fashion industry, that's a very high multiple. Typically, some somewhere in the enterprise value to EBITDA of 10, it would be uh, more reasonable. So to me, this is a, an area that you want to be trimming and uh, having a, a tight out. And the out would, for me, would be the 100-day moving average. And it found that support back in March and April. And if it ever breaks that, which right now it's at about 115, so certainly a ways down from here. So I would give it a little bit of room, but I would be taking some money off the table, rebalancing lower. And that's something a lot of people don't understand is, is rebalance. There's nothing wrong with rebalancing, taking some chips off the table, especially in a name that has a history of up and down cycles like a Crocs and the fashion industry in general. Uh, rebalancing when things are good is more often a smart play. Now, let's go to Johnny in Buffalo. He wants to talk about Roth IRAs. Hey, Justin. How are you? Doing great. What can I do for you? So, last episode, I asked Steve, uh, I left it on the voicemail, but I was like, hey, like, is there anything from stopping me from opening several Roth IRAs in different accounts, like E-Trade or TD Ameritrade? And he was like, well, why would you want to do that? And so, I was just calling back because, like, my intention would be, like, right now, I've already maxed out my Roth, so there's more than six grand, or there's six grand in there. So, I was thinking, like, if I opened another account, I could put another six grand in that account and then just kind of or like I was wondering, do they know by my Social Security number that I've already maxed it out for the year? Yeah, that's basically what you're what you're dealing with. Yeah, there's that's no no loophole in in that sense. Uh, You are going to claim that on your taxes that you've uh, you've. deposited money into an IRA and you can write that off. So uh, the max you can claim on your return is that 6,000 if you're under 50 uh, anyway. And so, um, yes, you're right. The, based on your social security number, you you can't make more than that 6,000 a year contribution. Now you can spread it out between different Roth accounts, but in aggregate, in total, and same with uh, your regular IRA, some people split it between their Roth and their traditional. So 3,000 each. In, in, in those accounts. But still, the max total between all Roth and traditional IRA contributions are $6,000 if you're under 50. And if you're over 50, then it's $7,000. So yeah, uh, I know you're thinking that's a loophole, but definitely not uh, going to apply. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for the clarity. No problem. Thanks for the call, Johnny. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Coinbase continues to displease customers with new security error. And this is a, just another type of uh, news event uh, within the crypto space that sheds light on the, the nascent industry it is, where, meaning that there's a lot of complexity and there are, the, the actors uh, aren't mature. And so... You definitely want to be. You want to understand the industry and make sure that you are 
taking these proper precautions if you are allocating money towards that space. So we're going to look at that, that story. Also, supply chains, world supply chains continue to struggle with catching up. The whole narrative was always, well, these supply chains are having problems because of COVID. Once you get back to normal, supply chains will normalize, inflation will normalize, and we'll be fine. Well, we're over 18 months into the pandemic, and for the most part, the world is, is relatively open, and that's not really changing. You're not seeing the supply chains unstick, and I'm going to look at that a little deeper and give you a lowdown on what that means for the market as a whole. And then lastly, value stocks. Are value stocks cheap for a reason? We're going to look at some of uh, some dynamics there as well. So that's what's on my mind. I want to know what is on your mind, ultimately. That's most important. So I encourage you to reach out with your question at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take a look at the market today. The S&P was up a whopping 1.4 points. So very flat day there. If you look at the NYSE broader index, that was up 39 points. Uh, and kind of, what was that, a quarter of a percent? Not, not a whole lot of movement there. Uh, so really a flat day, a stall day. We, we sold off lat later in the day. Closed. Did we close near the lows? Let me take a look here. Take a look at a shorter term chart. Yeah, we pretty much closed near the lows of the day, which definitely doesn't bode well for tomorrow. But we're, you know, we had a bounce on the news from Jackson Hole that uh, the market reacted positively, that there wasn't going to be any increase in interest rates, even though there's tapering that's likely to happen. Uh, and based on what's happening in the repo market, uh, they're 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 doing too much QE. And there's too much liquidity out there. And so I think removing uh, – it's kind of like the the cup is overflowing and the, they're trying to reduce the flow into that cup. Well, it's still going to be overflowing. And so I think that's why the market didn't react negatively. Um, but as we head into the back half of the year, I think we're going to be focusing more on the stimulus package and whether that – is closer to one or two trillion, or is it closer to three or four trillion? And I think that will be a big factor on what economic activity will be going into 2022 and thus earnings. And so I think that's the, the next focus uh, is, is what that stimulus package will be. And then also the details of tapering. Is it aggressive or is it more conservative? And I think the Fed right now is erring on the side of conservative, which makes the markets less worried. So that's where we were today, but we're heading into a quick break, and I'm right here ready to answer your finance and investment questions on 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their question quickly. So let's check out one right now. 
Apps I Love says, I was wondering what software platform to use to find the different things you talk about when looking over a stock in the show, such as how much the company will make in the upcoming year, sales growth, percentage, five-year P range, etc. Well, there are a few pieces of software you use. Uh, MarketSmith is the one that gives us a really quick snapshot. I believe it's somewhere around $100 a month. I, I, I haven't looked at the bill in a while, but we, we've had it for a long period of time. And it gives quick overview of uh, the last seven, eight years of earnings, uh, last eight quarters in sales and, and earnings growth, dividend yield, any debt, uh, five-year P range like you talked about, return on equity, cash flow, et cetera. It's also a nice chart. Um, so that that's what that's that's one piece of software. Y charts is another one that goes a little bit more in depth on the balance sheet and uh, other metrics that you can compare with uh, different co- companies within the industry. Uh, has a more robust filtering software to find uh, different companies based on their uh, quantitative uh, factors. And then Morningstar. Morningstar is another one that we use. Uh, typically don't use it too much on the show because it's uh, more in-depth. There's longer, more qualitative reports about management uh, uh, style, management effectiveness, uh, stewardship, um, place within their industry and strategy within the industry, those type of things that help analyze the company's overall um, uh, factors besides just the, the, the raw numbers. So uh, that hopefully that gives you a, a bit of a sense. There's obviously more pieces that we use on a day-to-day management process, but uh, that, that, those are a few good ones to look quickly at uh, the, the stocks. Uh, C-Note 1975 says, what do you think of Axis Capital, A-X-S? This is an insurance company, Bermuda-based, offering property and casualty reinsurance and insurance products worldwide. The insurers have been selling off because of the hurricane. I forgot that was is it Ida, the one in uh, the Gulf right now, uh, hitting Louisiana. And so you're seeing a bit of sell-off here. Oftentimes, that is a opportunity to, to buy. But uh, if you may, you may be trying to catch a falling knife as well. Uh, but typically, these are good for the industry as a whole. Yeah, you might have uh, some payouts, but it allows those uh, th- those within the industry to uh, up their rates and, and, and earn higher margins, et cetera. So uh, I think this is a solid name, and it does have consistency of cash flow and earnings. Yields about 3.2%, and it is fairly large. Looks, uh, market cap's about $4.2 billion. Let me take a look at some of the metrics here, pulling these up. And and here we go. There you go. Uh, so free cash flow remains relatively strong. They're, they're buying back shares, which is solid. The return on equity longer term is only in the high single digits on average over the last decade. So that's that's not too exciting. Uh, technicals, technicals don't look great. So, you know, it's a, it's a solid company, but it just doesn't get me really excited, to be honest with you. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein for investors. The need to remain vigilant never ends, and that's why we are here to help you with your finance and investment questions. So we're taking your calls live at 888 chart Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, it's Steve and Justin. This is Dylan from Brooklyn. Uh, appreciate you guys helping the past and looking to you every day. 
I have a question about ticker AFRM, Affirm. They just announced a deal with Amazon and they ran up last week. And I'm currently sitting about 100% profit since I started my position. I was wondering if you think it's a good time to cut and run or if I should stick around and see where we're going to go from here. Appreciate you guys. Like I said, thank you. All right, looking at Affirm, which is A-F-R-M is in Mary. And they did announce a, a deal with Amazon. I have not read the details, uh, but I know what a firm does is they offer basically extended financing for uh, th- through credit card networks and, and other retailers and uh, allows people to pay over a longer period of time. And that's certainly helping some retailers get more business because they get paid in full and uh, a firm takes uh, the, the credit risk and, and handles that the whole process. Um, and the other uh, deal with Amazon, once again, I'm not sure about the details, but they did come up with one. Uh, they, they just come, came to an agreement that was announced, uh, I believe, on Monday. And the stock went from about $66 all the way to $96 and change at the close today. So it's had a big run. Uh, they, they don't earn any money right now. Uh, they're losing money. But Depending on the details, this could be a a big win. Um, so this is really a growth name, and it's going to really be depend on how how they can consistently grow. Right now, they're growing about sixty seven percent year over year. Uh, they're clearly taking all of their uh, their revenue and putting it back into marketing and growing their business. And you're, so you're going to you'll be paying up your twenty five billion dollar market cap billion and trailing 12 month revenue you're talking about a run rate of a little over a billion dollars so you're paying 20 plus times revenue and we've we've said before when you're paying 20 plus times revenue more often than not that does not pay in the long run because it's very difficult to grow that much that consistently into that level of a multiple that level of uh valuation could they do it could amazon's partnership get you there Possibly, but I really have to dig into that, and I haven't done that, and that's what you're going to need to do. Dig into that, um, that that deal and understand how much growth that's really going to bring them. They've been growing without Amazon. I'm sure they're going to grow more. It's just a matter of how much more, and is it worth $25 billion? Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Coinbase continues to displease customers with new security error, and what happened was last week, there, there was a there was a an email a notification that went out at about one forty five p.m. on Friday that said your two step verification settings have been changed to almost all Coinbase users, and a lot of people thought that meant their system or their their accounts were being hacked. If you have, just think of your bank account. If you got that from your bank saying that your two-step verification settings have been changed, you're thinking that somebody got in and, and started to, was able to change some settings, and the two-step verification is one of the most important things. I think everybody should have a two-step verification on your important accounts to make sure that if you're logging in, you're getting some sort of uh, text code, uh, email code uh, that you're accessing elsewhere, and it makes it a lot harder for hackers to get in when they need an extra level of that extra level security. So... This is on top of a recent story by CNBC that detailed widespread customer complaints for Coin- with Coinbase 
uh, about the accounts being hacked and not having anyone for the company to to talk to 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 fix it and you know this is the same thing with uh, the robin hoods of the world uh the ones that are so heavily focused on the the tech and and, and the app and and this new fintech ecosystem what many of them lack is good customer service they've they know the tech side they understand the tech side deeply but when it comes to problems and fixing problems they just don't have the breadth of knowledge and experience in the customer service space to make sure that their customers at a large scale especially are being serviced properly and i think that's the biggest issue with many of these these names and this is a good example of that that you have a, a hiccup and they've they've said it's an internal error it's not a hack or anything like that so nobody's money was really lost but that can freak people out and make it very difficult to get your money out when you need it uh, we, we see this issue all the time we have clients come over from Robinhood and it is a disaster to try to get your money out it can be done it's just there's like I said there's no customer service uh, their systems are, are relatively new and they're not usually in line with uh, they're regulators. They're 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 uh, they're kind of off the the beaten path when it comes to what their their goal or their uh, how they answer to regulators. And so many of them, uh, in the, especially in the crypto space, just don't have much regulation at all. Uh, and you see that with Tether, and, and Tether once again continues to come out that it's basically a fraud, and it's it's becoming more of an issue. And so when you're dealing with the crypto space or any of these fintech companies, understand that that usability, that um, avant-garde nature of their businesses, comes with downsides as well, and make sure you're aware of those. Now, the next Invest Talk story behind this question. What is the gap between investor returns and total returns? Investors' returns often differ from reported total returns because of the timing of cash inflows and outflows. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life 
that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen Justin. I was calling to ask, I hear you guys mention we should take profit or trim our winnings from some of the stocks that we have. Does that mean, uh, as an example, if I have 10 shares of Apple and I see I've made a couple hundred bucks, how should I trim? Should I shell a couple number of stocks and take those gains? I love the podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to hearing your reply. Bye-bye. Well, when you're making a trade, you always have to look at the, the larger picture. And it's what you want your portfolio to look like as a whole. From the weightings of different sectors, uh, how we do it is we use the backdrop of the economy, growth and inflation to overweight or underweight particular sectors, depending on that backdrop. Because if inflation is going up or going down, that means different types of sectors tend to do better than others. For example, uh, if inflation is going up, uh, consumer staples uh, usually has a headwind, whereas uh, commodities tend to do better. Just one simple example. And then once you have your broader asset allocation set, then you want to look at the individual, your, your current holdings and say, are, are, am I overweight this particular sector? Am I underweight? And then drilling down to the individual names. How much do you want? What's the most you should have? Well, probably no more than 5% per position in any one particular stock. And if you have done very well, and maybe that grows from a, a 3 4 5% position to an 8 or 9 or 10% position, if you, maybe your stock has doubled or, or up even more than that. And then rebalancing that lower to make sure that it's within your guidelines of how you want your portfolio to look. And so that's how you have to think about it first is big picture. And then you get down to the details of each individual position. Is your thesis still the same? Is it close to your overall valuation? I'll give you an example. 
uh, one of our strategies. We picked up an oil name uh, a few months ago, around $3, a little under $4 a share. And it recently hit over $9 a share. And that our value is closer to 10. And so the fact that it was at, I think it was at 950, something like that, we started to rebalance that a bit lower and started to take some profits off the table to, to, to make sure that the, the portfolio doesn't get too overweight particular, uh, that particular position. Um, and so that's how you want to think about taking those gains is you have to have a strategy of uh, goals of your portfolio. And you allocate towards that strategy incrementally over time as new information comes in, as particular positions become overweight or maybe they get underweight, et cetera. So that's how you get into the portfolio management of your portfolio. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about 20 minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Now, let's touch on the supply chain globally because this is really the crux of the biggest story in today's uh, world economy is the fact that inflation is running hot and it's very difficult to move products, to get products made. And the supply chain crunch, which was supposed to be temporary, is likely to last well into next year. So something that was supposed to be just a few months is now likely going to be a few years. And shipping costs are up worldwide. And manufacturers are having shortages of key components, high raw material costs, energy costs. And there's often a bidding war to get space on shipping containers. Other companies, and you've heard this in the auto industry, lacking components to produce their larger product. For example, Rubik's Cubes, the owner of Rubik's Cubes, the cost of their magnets have risen 50%. And so the production cost overall now is 7% higher than it was before. And that feeds into the selling price of the end product. And part of this has to do with COVID. You're seeing governments temporarily close uh, shipping ports because of dock workers that may have uh, caught the Delta variant and port congestion overall and a shortage of shipping capacity is likely to last well into next year. Now, the cost of sending a container from Asia to Europe is about 10 times higher today than it was in May of last year, just a little over a year ago. And this is, once again, feeding into the price of all types of goods, even things like bicycles. They're raising prices to, uh, because of increased costs, things that don't even include chips. And if you look at the personal consumption expenditures price index, it's supposed to be 4% in the third quarter and 4.1% in the fourth quarter, which is double the Federal Reserve's 2% goal. And so we're seeing sticky inflation. Inflation is no longer accelerating, but it is sticky. And this is manifesting in, in various ways because what's happening now is because of the, the supply chain issues, many companies are storing critical components. Whereas before it was all about lean manufacturing where you don't have a lot of inventory, just in time inventory. And in this environment, where it's difficult to get things, just-in-time inventory is 
very bad. And many of the uh, manufacturers had very short-term contracts for shipping. And that is that means that now they're having to pay current prices. A lot of the brokers have, uh, and you've seen that in the stocks, a lot of these uh, third-party logistics companies have long-term contracts with shippers, and they're able to extract huge returns because of the short-term uh, boost in the cost of shipping. And so this is not going to abate, I don't think, anytime soon, maybe next year, uh, maybe in the first, second quarter, but it could last all the next year as well. So uh, don't expect this inflation to moderate much in until at least 2022. Let's go to Richard in the Bay Area. Let's talk about green energy. Uh, hi, Justin. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, thank you for taking my call. So my question is about broadly how to invest in green energy um is it uh would the best money be spent on um it uh companies on um raw materials um uh like cobalt and lithium or uh, is it on um, utility companies that are going in that direction uh, what are your thoughts well i think they all have merit so I, I don't want to say that you only look in this direction or that direction. Uh, there are, I've, I, I have plenty of IP companies on my watch list of uh, those that have good software for the management uh, of the power efficiently. Others have good IP when it comes to the, uh, the transistor, not the transistors, but the um, what trend what changes the uh, voltage from AC to DC. I forgot what it's called exactly, but um, there, there's a lot of great IP within the industry. And so I like those companies probably first, most of all, uh, as long as you're confident that their IP is going to hold up and not go, they're not going to be out innovated. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I like the raw materials because at the end of the day, people don't care who makes their solar panel, who installs the solar panel, uh, they really don't. <laughs> All they care is that it produces electricity uh, or uh, if it's wind or something like that. And But they all need good, raw, consistent raw materials. And uh, n certain, certain parts of the supply chain are uh, more are more easily available than others. For example, lithium production can come on rather quickly. And the cure for higher prices in the commodity industry tends to be higher prices, and that, that can correct rather quickly. Whereas things like copper, those, that production tends to take years to come on. So make sure within the raw material industry that you, uh, you are cognizant of that, that you don't just buy it because it's supposed to, quote unquote, be uh, a green material. And then number three, the utilities. Uh, I like a lot of the utilities that can take advantage of uh, the carbon credits. I think that's going to be really big into the future, and I think the governments are going to focus more on that and and and, and making sure that companies are uh, are selling and buying uh, enough carbon credits to offset uh, their production. Now, I think the biggest issue in the space when it comes to that is uh, twenty. I think I saw a list. 23 of the 25 largest producing, produ uh, pollution-producing uh, cities in the world were in China. Uh, the other was Tokyo and I believe Moscow. And so 
how are they going to deal with all that if you're trying to do climate change or deal with climate change? Um, so that's really the biggest risk there is how does the global uh, climate crisis uh, manifest in policy and do those incentives uh, shift away from just simply carbon credits? So there's a lot to be said. I don't have a clear answer that one is better than the other, uh, but know that the space in general is overhyped. What I love far less are the electric vehicle companies, the solar panel uh, uh, companies uh, that, that sell just raw solar panels, things like that. I just don't see that as a, a great investment because those are often very, very competitive and their margins are very, very low. Um, so I, I look more at what I don't want to invest in and what is investable is more on a case-by-case -case basis. Thanks for the call. Now in the market, we are seeing a bit, a bit of volatility and that makes me think of what potentially could be a great relationship between myself and Steve and you. And we have a company called KPP Financial, where we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We are based in Irvine, California, and we practice parallel investing, where we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we invest right alongside our clients, meaning we implement the same strategies for our clients as we do for ourselves. And if you need help with your portfolio, understanding your risk, reward, how much risk you should be taking, identifying how much risk you are taking, I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or GoToMeeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. And then we would love to help you in any way we can. So I encourage you, please reach out. Next up, we will play another voice bank question. This, one, this is a good time to remind you that, yes, we like your iTunes review questions, but please don't forget to call. We love your calls at 888-99-CHART. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Jose. I've been listening to your show for a while now. I love it. My question is in regards to FIGS, ticker F-I-G-S. I took a small position on it, and I just wanted to know your perspective on it. Is this a good buy or a good hold on to for either short or long term? Thank you. All right. This is FIGS, F-I-G-S. This is a recent IPO, and if you listen to the show for any period of time, you know that recent IPOs uh, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, now, this is within that six-month period. It went IPO in May. So you're going to have the unlock probably around uh, November, December timeframe. And I think that could put, usually puts potential pressure on the stock. I want to see what the, that unlock looks like compared to the, the current float, something I'm definitely uh, keeping an, I would keep an eye on. Because this is a name that I am interested in, uh, I will say. My girlfriend is a doctor, and she wears figs. <laughs> she loves figs. Her whole staff wears figs. And what they do is they, man they basically manufacture more sleek and stylish scrubs. That's it. And my, I, I like the company. Uh, you know, She buys new, new figs regularly. And the question is, will they always have a lock on this market? 
especially as they get bigger. I think there'll be more competition, and that's my biggest worry with figs. Uh, and currently, the valuation remains very high. Enterprise value to revenue of 22 times. Talk about it. When you get to that 20 times revenue number, it's very difficult to grow into that level of valuation. And so I just don't see it as attractive at this time. I think short term, it was up 8% today. I think you could see a rally into that unlock uh, period in, in October, November, or November, December timeframe. So near term, I'm pretty bullish on it. But it's to me, based on the valuation, that potential unlock here coming up, uh, just not a fan of figs at these prices. So I'm passing on it, but it is on my watch list and watching the industry dynamic as well to see if there's others that come into the space that are able to compete because, I don't know, stylish scrubs seems easy to replicate. Now let's try another iTunes question and we're going to go to Sue from Poway, California. It says, I'm looking at Autodesk ADSK and have made my valuation. I'm wondering what you think their 12-month price target might be. Do you see 375 as potential? Well, it looks like they just went down from about 342. I'm not sure. Let me take a look if there's some big news that came out because it now is down to 303 and change at the close today. You are also trading at enterprise value to revenue 17 times, 89 times enterprise value to EBITDA. Uh, it's just too expensive in, in my book. I know they're growing consistently, but only about uh, in the mid-teens on revenue and low 20% on earnings. So uh, I'm, I, don't, I would not say 375 uh, is a potential in the uh, in 12. I guess, I guess it's possible. It's at 300 today. It's certainly possible, but I think it's overvalued right now, and I'm going to pass on Autodesk. But great company. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Noel in Napa looking at BGS. Uh, good afternoon, Justin. Yeah, I'm, I'm a long-term holder in uh, BGS. Uh, however, uh, hasn't had much positive movement lately. And then, upon uh, some investigation, I see that they're diluting the shares by putting out seven and a half million. So, of course, uh, uh, do you think I ought to stick for the dividend? Or I, I, actually, there are other things out there with some pretty decent dividends that aren't being diluted. So, what would be your path? I guess. Well, uh, we actually own the stock, so uh, we do we do like it. Uh, I li- I like uh, the historical uh, return equity and profitability of the business. They're they're they do have uh, pretty high leverage, but they've been highly levered for a decade now. So this is no uh, no different. They go out there. They typically will buy undervalued brands and. Uh, put it into their pipeline, squeeze the synergies out of it, and improve the the manufacturing production, the uh, distribution, and make the, the make it more valuable. And then oftentimes they will sell that business. They've done that before. 
Uh, they recently bought uh, Jolly Green Giant, and that's doing well. Uh, and certainly the pandemic definitely helped them. 2020, they made $2.26 a share, up from $1.64 in 2019. So it's to make $2 a share this year, $2.14 next year. So definitely not a fast grower, but um, you know, I think it's one of the names that spiked uh, recently uh, a couple times this year. If it gets another spike above, say, 35, I'd probably be trimming it. Um, but I do like the dividend, and I would be a holder of B&G Foods. Let's go to George in North Carolina looking at BWA, which is Borg Warner. This manufactures engine and drive can, drive train components for light vehicles. Uh, it's basically an equipment manufacturer or a, a, a parts manufacturer for OEM uh, larger manufacturers. Do you own it, George, or are you looking to buy it? I was just wondering if you think it'd be a good play on the transition to electric and hybrid vehicles. Well, let me take a look at their their products. That's the that's really the biggest question here. Is uh, they they've had a long history of supplying parts for they, they supply turbochargers, um, timing systems, emission systems, thermal systems, gasoline ignition technology, powertrain sensors, etc. So there's some overlap with uh, powertrain um, and thermal systems, etc. But they have some. They have an e-booster, e-turbo. So there are there is some exposure there, um, and I'm sure they are innovating in that way. Uh, but this is not the the best way to gain exposure to uh, pure electric vehicle growth. Uh, I would be looking for others that have exposure to more battery technology than uh, this type of name. So I think it's still a good company. It's come down. It's starting to get to support here around, uh, if it gets to 40, I think that's pretty good support. Um, but this is, to me, not a, a an electric vehicle play because such a small percentage of their revenue continues to be uh, in, in the electric space. So uh, I would I'd be a bit worried about that longer term. Do they have the technology? Do they have the ability to supply for electric vehicles? Some parts, once again, definitely, absolutely. Um, but this is definitely not a pure play EV stock. Thanks for the call. Now, here's one more iTunes review question for today. City of Idris says, I often hear you say something along the lines of, don't buy this company. They don't make any money. What numbers are you typically looking at to determine if a company makes money? It's a net profit, revenue, cash flow, a mixture of all. And the answer is a mixture. Uh, revenue, uh, no, it's definitely not revenue. Uh, a lot of people talk about the top line. I, I don't think uh, the top, top line matters. I won't say it doesn't matter. It's definitely important. Uh, but when I say the company doesn't make money, I'm talking about profit, net income, earnings per share. Uh, I like to look at free cash flow to see how much money they have left over to uh, reinvest in the business, to acquire other businesses, to retain, uh, to pay down debt, uh, et cetera. Those are all important for me as well. So there's a lot of good metrics, return on equity, return on invested capital. These are all important metrics to see how well the company is performing for you, the shareholder, because at the end of the day, remember, owning an equity is about ownership in the business, and you want to own good businesses. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which we now hit over 34 million, and we appreciate you all for that. So get your yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. Be sure to rate and review over on iTunes. If you give a positive rating and you leave a brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. 
Independent thinking shows success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.